Thanks for listening to the Journey Christian Church podcast. We're on a mission to make disciples who love God, love people, and serve the world. Our prayer is that this message encourages you today. And remember, Journey is a place where everybody's welcome, nobody's perfect, and through Jesus, anything is possible. If you haven't been with us, we're in this series called The Goat. And it's really, really important if you either been here or not been here that you pay attention to these dots right here because there's been some confusion that we're doing a series about goats. Like, what is Pastor Dustin's obsession with goats? I don't have any. That's important. You can tweet that, okay? Greatest of all time. Everybody say it together with me. Greatest of all time. Several years ago, I got to go to Burkina Faso, and one of the things, this is uh, during a little mission trip, one of the things that they allowed me to participate in is to bless a widow. And the way that you would do that there, one of the ways is to give them an extravagant gift. And that gift was a goat. This is me. This is the goat. Yeah, some of you saying, what? Yeah, so I'm on the truck. I'm getting it. And then as you can see, the goat and I became good friends rather quickly. Some of y'all are saying all. If you zoom in, it's a goat, okay? There's nothing all about it. They're gross and disgusting, okay? We got some goat lovers. And then this is a little bit too close. Listen, this is, this is a goat, but we're talking about the goat, Jesus Christ. And so if you haven't been here, we're looking at five different ways that Jesus has been and is the greatest of all time. And today, what we're going to talk about how Jesus is the greatest leader of all time. There's been no greater leader on this planet ever than Jesus. And we've talked about that. We proved that. That's not a biased pastoral opinion. That is proven by stats and historical impact. Jesus is the greatest leader ever to live. But this is what Jesus did. Jesus turned his leadership into his servanthood. Jesus turned his leadership, the influence that he had, he used it to serve others. And you may not know this, you may not even be comfortable with this, but God's given you influence. God has given you power. It's not a debate if God's given you influence or power. The debate is how are you using that power? Are you using it for personal gain or using it as Christ did to serve others. This is what Jesus did. This is what he said. He gathered the disciples and they're having this leadership conversation and his disciples, if you're not familiar, these are some of his closest friends that he's kind of mentoring about uh, what it means to be a Christian, to follow him. This is what he says. He said, Jesus called them together and said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Everybody say this together. Not so with you. Let me just pause right here. What Jesus is saying is there is a, a way that the world lives. But when we say that we are Christians, now we say not so with us. There's a way that the world does things. They elbow their way to get to the top. And Jesus says, not so with you. They, they gossip, they hair pull, they do whatever they can to get the promotion. And Jesus says, not so with you. There's another way. There's a better way. He goes on. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first 
must be your slave. A couple weeks ago, we talked about how the movement of Jesus was love. But the way that he expressed that was through his servanthood. My buddy, Pastor Kevin Queen, he says like this. I think he says it really well. He says this. He says, you're not going to use people to serve your agenda. You're going to make it your agenda to serve people. And there's a big difference. The world might say, use people for your agenda. And God says it's the complete opposite. So what I want to do today, with your permission, that's kindly me asking, but I'm actually going to do it no matter what. What I would like to do today is is just share with you, it's, it's, it's going to be more of a workshop kind of conversation than a typical sermon. And I just want to kind of have a workshop type vibe on what does it mean for believers to serve? Who do we serve? How do we serve? Where do we serve? When do we serve? All the, all the ins and outs of serving. And so today's going to feel a little bit more like a workshop. That first question we'll ask is, why serve? And and some skeptics might out there be like, hey, you're talking to us about serving because you want something from us. I said, no, first of all, I'm not talking about serving. Jesus is talking to you about serving. And it's not because he wants anything from you. It's because he wants something for you. Here at Journey, we don't want something from you. We want something for you. Jesus said in Acts 20, 35, it is more blessed to give than receive. And so here's the theological question you have to answer. Do you believe this or not? Do you believe this or don't we? Because this is what Jesus said is more blessed to give than receive. Some of us that have had the, the blessing of going on a mission trip know exactly what I'm talking about. You go on a mission trip and you're there to give, you're there to pour out. And then what happens after you get home? You're like, oh my goodness, I got way more than I ever gave. I received more than ever several years ago. I went to Guatemala with our mission partners, Faith in Action. And I met some kids that I was supposed to bless and and teach kind of just some games and Sunday school type stuff. And they have no idea how much they blessed me. They taught me about joy, about contentment, about what it looks like to trust God no matter what. Then the next day I met this group of pastors. All these pastors are from all over Guatemala. And every Thursday morning, I'll never forget this, every Thursday morning at 10, they come together and they ask me to come together to kind of teach and inspire them. Well, what they do at Thursdays at 10 is they come together and pray. The problem is each of them are lead pastors of churches all about three miles away from each other. And what they do is they rotate locations where they meet week to week and none of them have vehicles. They all walk through the, the jungle, the mountains, dirt roads, two to three miles each one way to pray for an hour. And then they have a meal together and then they leave. When I was there, they kind of plussed up the meal. The meal was a uh, tortilla, which is what they normally have. And the plus up was they actually put a spread on it. You see, I was there to teach them and I left blown away about what they believe in prayer about the resilience they have to pray with and for one another. You see, I thought I was there to go and bless, and they blessed me more than they'll ever imagine. It changed my prayer life. St. Francis says this, it is in giving that we receive. It is in giving that we receive. Charles Duhigg has a book called The Power of Habit. I mentioned it maybe before, and And this is what he says. He teaches this idea in in the book. He teaches this called Keystone Habit. He says this, a keystone habit is a habit that has a ripple effect 
that creates a series of other habits. So that one habit, if it's a keystone habit, has a ripple effect that creates other habits along the way. So what he recommends is don't try to just create a new habit. Try to create a keystone habit that has ripples because then you're going to change more areas of your life than just one normal habit. For example, he says, uh, and studies prove this, those that work out tend to eat better. They tend to sleep better. And statistically speaking, they are less likely to be in debt. That's a keystone habit. I believe, I don't have any studies to back this up. I believe that serving is a keystone habit. I believe that when you serve, these, these things take place. I think when you serve, you become more Christ-like. I think you become more grateful when you serve. I think you become more humble when you serve. I think you get more connected because you're, you're serving somebody. So there is a connectedness. And not only are you serving somebody, you're serving with somebody. And so as we know, isolation is real in our day and age. And when you serve, you feel a part of something bigger than yourself. People that serve tend to be more kind. People that serve tend to be more joyful. People that serve tend to be more encouraging. I'm grateful that we have an encouraging church. And a lot of times when I get in a, a note of encouragement, nine out of 10 times, that note originated from somebody that serves. Why? Because they're more grateful. They're more humble. They're more apt to say thank you. So why should we serve, Pastor Dustin? Isn't that your job? Isn't that the job of the people that work at the church to serve us? Now, you may not say that, but I've heard people tell me that. It's a fair question. It's just not a biblical question because according to Ephesians 4, we're going to unpack this. We're going to talk about what is our role and what is your role when it comes to serving. This is what Ephesians 4, 11 through 13 says. It says this. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. Okay. So Christ himself, all these words are the leaders of the church. So Christ gave all the leaders of the church. Listen to why he gave them. To equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole message of the fullness of Christ. Go back to the previous slide if you could. So this is what we are to do. The, the ministry leaders, our job is to equip his people for works of service. That's our job. Our job is to equip and empower you to know how to serve and then to fan that flame for the kingdom's sake. And this is the cool part. This is what happens. It's going to be built up. You, the body of Christ will be built up. Go to the next one. You'll reach unity and you become mature. What a beautiful picture of the church. Built up, unified, and mature. Our job is to encourage, equip, and empower you for works of service. And we take that serious. When I first came here about five years ago, I felt like God gave me a very, very clear job description. It was just a very small one sentence word that I felt like God gave me. He said, you're to go to journey and you are to pray and to prepare for revival. I feel like that's what God spoke to me. I don't know if we're ever going to see revival. That's not on the job description. My job is to be faithful with what he has told me. He didn't tell you. He's just telling me, Dustin, your job is to pray and to prepare for revival. I just want you to know I'm praying for revival. 
I'm praying for your revival in your family, in your neighborhood, that marriages get restored, that, that uh, wayward sons and daughters come home, that neighborhoods get changed for forever. And you know what takes place with revival is I've been praying that hundreds, if not thousands of people would flood both Lake County, Apopka, and online. You see, I've been praying for that. Can I, can I just share with you a little bit of a fear that I have? Yes or no, that was not rhetorical. <laughs> Let the record state Lake County and online. They said yes. Here's my prayer. My prayer is that we pray for revival when it happens and we're not prepared. And I believe that God has called us as a church to both pray and prepare for revival. What does that mean, prepare for revival? It means that when people come here, that they're greeted in the parking lot, that somebody says, we're glad that you're here to the church because you've had a, a bad church experience and you're already iffy. And so we want to give you a good one. And that if we're prepared means you don't just walk into an empty auditorium, but you're greeted by warm, loving, and kind faces that are saying, we're glad that you're here. God bless you. How can we serve you? It's good to see you today. Welcome back. What's your name? How can I pray for you? You see, we want to be a church that both prays and prepares for revival. I love, I love the people in this room, Lake County and online. I love all of you. But the truth is, we all have people that are not in this environment that we're desperately praying for. And what we want to do is we want to prepare for them and we want to make room for them. And so what we're going to do is in the new year, we're going to add to our Apopka campus, we're going to add a third service. So our Apopka service, Apopka service campus, we're going to add a third service. I'm not going to tell you the exact date. It'll be in the new year. I will give the exact times. It's going to be 830, 10 o'clock and 1130. It's really important that you understand what I'm saying because some of you are going to walk away saying, starting next week, we got three new service times. <laughs> oh, you laugh. Y'all don't get my emails, do you? Oh. Some of you are going to say, hey, Lake County, he told us. No, listen, it's the Apopka campus. It's going to be in the new year, which is 2023. We'll give you plenty of ramp up time when that's going to happen. So I need to ask you, what campus is it at? Okay, and what are the service times? 8.30, Y'all are on fire. I love it. Some of y'all are not going to hear another word I'm going to say the rest of the message. You're just trying to figure out, okay, which service are we going to come to? What are we doing? What are we doing? And what does that mean if we wake up at this time? I'm just saying, hey, that's a great conversation for lunch, okay? Hang on. Hang on. Some of you, if you haven't been here that long, you might be thinking, hey, we're adding another service, and, and yes and no. You see, pre-COVID, we actually had three services. And so what we're actually doing is getting back to where we were pre-COVID because we want to reach more people for the love of Jesus. Amen? Amen. It's a heart. And guess what we're going to need to do to reach more people for the love of Jesus? We're going to need to pray and prepare for revival. And that's where you come in. Katie Brown is somebody that appears in my email from time to time. And this is cool when you get a reputation like this. When she emails me, I want to click it because I know it's going to be encouraging. And this was no different. This is what she said a couple weeks ago. 
she sent me this photo and she said this, hi pastor, I just wanted to share some amazing, all caps, news. This past Saturday, Ben, Josh, and Caleb, Ben, Josh, Caleb, all took my son Luke and three other sweet boys out for the day. They went to play laser tag and Luke had the time of his life. This may not seem like a big deal to some, but as Luke's mother, there are a few things that are bigger to me than young men of God pouring into my son with their precious time and attention. This is a mother's answered prayer. These men did this act quietly and humbly with probably few knowing they even did this on their day off. I'm so thankful and grateful for strong men of faith found in Ben, Josh, and Caleb. Let me tell you about the three of them. Without volunteers that gave these three young men a positive church experience, they wouldn't have come back. They, they were part of different churches. They were part of this church. And you gave them by your serving a positive experience. And now they feel like they want to do this with the rest of their life. And so what they've done is they started to serve these young men. On their day off, she put in quotations. And here's what I know. When you serve one person, you don't impact one person. You always impact more than one person. For this, they thought they were serving one kid or four kids, but it was really four families. It was really eight parents is what they were doing. And the impact is even greater than that. So that's why we serve. How do we serve? How, how, what does that look like? What does that mean? How do we serve? Our goal here is not to say, these are the needs of the church. You need to come fill our needs. I, I get this question all the time. Hey, I have a heart to serve. And they're expecting me to just dump our needs out. That's not our job. That would be self-centered. Our job is to figure out how has God wired you? How has God shaped you? What is God calling you? And then to unleash that for the kingdom purposes. That's our job. We're going to take it back old school. How, how many of y'all remember this? Come on. We're going to be raffling this thing off at the end of the day. Each of you, I don't know if you know this or not. Each of you have a God-given shape. You know that? Your shape is different than the person next to you. Listen, I'm not talking about your physical shape, okay? Can we... Uh, I, I'm seeing elbows from spouses. Listen, you're going to the wrong place, okay? God has wired you uniquely. When you were in the womb, he knit you together and it was on purpose for a purpose. You can't fight it. You can't argue it. You have been wired, hardwired, and it is meant to look distinct. It is meant to look different than the neighbor sitting next to you. So when you come in and you're like, hey, why don't they do this? I wish more people were passionate about this. No, nobody else. God has put that in you. He put you passionate in charge of that. He put the homeless ministry on you for a reason. Everybody shouldn't care about homeless ministry to the level you are because everybody's wired different. Don't put your conviction on somebody else. You realize that that's how you're wired. Now lead out of that wiring. And when you all come together, that's called the body of Christ. 
and one person has a heart for missions and they lead in missions, another for homeless ministry and another for the elderly and another for, for, for kids and the next generation and another for leadership. And what we do is we try to, to tell the, the triangle they're wrong. They need to be more like the green uh, square. And what we need to do is just say, hey, listen, God's wired and shaped everybody and it's beautiful. Don't try to convert one another. You are shaped on purpose for a purpose. And what our job is, is to help you figure out when you start serving, there, there truly is a belief in the church that in order to please God, when you serve, it should be difficult. Listen to me. Listen, this is really important. That when you serve God, there should be some type of martyrdom syndrome in it. And that can't be further from the truth. Now, when you serve, sometimes it hurts and sacrifices, but that doesn't mean you have to actually hurt or sacrifice to serve. And here's, here's what I mean. This is a, a square. And what sometimes we do is we, we try to serve. I don't like people. And some people will say, hey, I don't like people, but I guess I got to be on the greeting team. And so you're doing this. And every single Sunday you have anxiety and you're like, I hate people, but this is what God wants me to do. And God's like, listen, We'll get to the hate, hate people thing later, but right now you're like an introvert. You don't need to be on the greeting team. You know what you need to do is you need to be on the office staff on Tuesday afternoon and help with data input. And when you do, it fits perfectly and it doesn't feel like serving. You've hit your sweet spot. You see, a lot of us think that we just got to do whatever the hole is. And what we really want to do is figure out what is your God-given shape. And when you do, you come alive. Pastor Rick Warren came up with this shape idea where he said this, shape is an acronym. So you might be thinking, well, how do, where, where do I start? It's these five things. One, figure out your spiritual gift. And some of you are like, what does that even mean? And how do I even figure that out? I can't unpack all that, but there are assessments that we'll make available on how you can figure out how uh, you are spiritually wired. We all have spiritual gifts. So the one thing you do is you figure out your spiritual gift. The second thing is you figure out what are your hobbies? Well, what do your hobbies have to do with serving? Because if you like doing something, then that's probably going to fit into your serving deal. Do you know on Wednesday work crew, a lot of the people, their hobby is to work with their hands. And so that's how they serve because that's what their shape is. A, what is their ability? Listen, if you're not good with your hands, we're going to find some other place than our Wednesday work crew for you. Okay. What is your personality? Kind of mentioned this earlier. If you're an extrovert, then maybe that's going to be great for a greeter or an usher. But if you're an introvert, that's just going to give you anxiety. And then E, what's your experience? And so Pastor Rick Warren laid this out beautifully. And I think, okay, this is what we need to do is figure out our shape. So that's your homework. Figure out what is your God-given shape? What's your spiritual gift, your hobby, your ability, your personality, and your experience? You put this together, then you figure out how you can flesh out where to serve and how to serve. We good? All right. So here's the deal. All of you have a gift, whether you know it or not. Every single one of you are better at something than I am. Everybody has a gift. Okay. And here's where your gift is. And let's just say there's a line here. Okay. Let's just say this is your gift. Okay. So you, this yellow dot, that's your gift. All of us are gifted, and typically we try to use our gift either in a profession or to make a living or whatever it is we try or to, to kind of push ourselves forward. So that's our gift. And then the second thing is, is we are meant to actually use our gift for the advancement of the kingdom. And so we're, we're, we have a gift that's kind of the horizontal, but then we're supposed to use our gift vertically to make an eternal impact. And when you do, you hit what I call the sweet spot. 
You see, the sweet spot's right here. The sweet spot is when you use the gifts that God's given you for eternal purposes. When you do that, it doesn't feel like serving. It makes you come alive. And there's people in our church that are serving that are nodding their head because they know exactly what I'm talking about. Nobody's talking them into serving. They just want it. Kenny just wants more of it. Why? Because he's in a sweet spot. It doesn't feel like serving. He's coming alive. He's making an eternal impact. Years ago, when uh, I started doing ministry, I don't know really uh, how this came in, but I, I ended up creating a document. If I can just, again, this is workshop talk. It was just kind of this weird document that was called Holes, Rolls, and Goals. And really what the, the document was is I felt like my job is to have a vision for the ministry. And if somebody would say, hey, what's the vision? I paint them the vision. And if we had, and this was for a student ministry, if we had 20 or 50 or 100 more volunteers, this is how we'd fulfill the mission. This is how we'd fulfill the vision. And so what we've done over the past several months is we as a staff, we kind of created something like this. We said, hey, to the ministry leads, hey, what is your vision for your area of ministry that if God just unleashed and, and, and prepared for revival, what would that look like? And so they've created this, this kind of this document, holes, roles, and goals of all these literally hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of roles that you can play. And you don't need to play all of them, but there might just be a spot on there for one of them that fits you. Maybe there's not. Maybe, maybe we missed something and God's putting something in you and we need to create something. I don't know what it is, but on our website, we have all kinds of serving opportunities. As a matter of fact, um, we have a, actually I don't have it with me. We have a QR, when you came in, did you get a postcard? Bingo, we have a QR code and it's on that postcard or you go to journey Christian backslash serve. There are literally hundreds of opportunities. Let me just share some of them with you. You can serve as a greeter or an usher. Just help people feel welcomed and loved. You can serve in the cafe so that they don't fall asleep during the sermon. That wasn't a joke. You can serve in our family ministry with students or kids and journey students or journey kids and make an impact. I don't know if you know this, but baptisms don't just magically happen. There are volunteers that help with that. You can help with baptisms. You can lead or co-lead a support group. We have support groups starting this week. And, and guess what? They're all led by volunteers that are leading or co-leading them. You can lead or co-lead a life group or a rooted group. You could join the worship and production team. Do you know what happens if you don't serve on the worship team? I have to sing. <laughs> like I do. And I promise you, you don't want me singing. There's all kinds of production roles. You see people with cameras and switches and words I don't know back there and everything else to make it happen online. There's all kinds of stuff for worship production. I don't know if you know, there's a photography team, a videography team. Some of you just love taking photos. We, we have a team for that. There's a social media team. You, you heard earlier, there's iServe, the third, I don't know if you know this, but the third Saturday of every month, there's a team of people that come and they beautify the campus. That also takes place every Wednesday with the Wednesday work crew. We have a group of men and women that just come here and just, if something needs painted or if it's broken, they just come here and work. It's a Wednesday work crew. I don't know if you know this. Uh, once a month, second Saturday of every month, we have something called Food for Life where we come and serve people. It's all volunteer-based. It's all volunteer-run to serve and to pray and to care for people. And our community takes place right here. One new team that I'm excited to announce, and not necessarily a new team. We've had this team, but we're going to put a new spin on it, is we've had a prayer team. 
But I'm going to open it up because what we've been doing for several months now is every Wednesday at 11 o'clock right here in this room, there's some of our staff, we gather and we pray for you. We pray for the prayer requests that come in. We pray for the seat that you're in. Every seat we pray for. We have a prayer team. And what we're doing is you are able and invited every Wednesday. We just come in here and pray. You don't need to announce it. You don't need to sign up. You can just come in here and pray with us from 11 to 1145. No commitment. If you just want to be part of our prayer team, just come and pray with us. Some of you are like, hey, I'm online. I don't live in the state or I can't make that time. I work or I'm doing this. You can pray wherever you're at on Wednesdays at 11. Maybe that doesn't even work, but you can still be part of our prayer team. And then I'm just going to make one up on the spot. Can I do that? This may not work, but I'm going to give it a go. We're going to also start what I'm going to call an E-team. Okay? Some of you are like, hey, none of these roles fit. Or I'm online and I, I'm remote or I can't be there. I can't, I can't do whatever it is. Here's one that every single one of you could do and you can start right now. It's the E-team. Join the E-team. It's the encouraging team. Do you know that every single one of our staff and volunteers is fueled by encouragement from the church? Do you know that? You might think, man, I can't, I don't have time for anything or I'm not ready or this or that. If you just on your way out, just told somebody, looked at me and I say, thank you for what you do here. Instead of just picking up your kids and leaving, you talk to the volunteers that are watching your kids. Hey, thank you for serving and watching my kids every week so that I could experience God. That, that blesses me. If you could just thank people and encourage people, that might be one of the most powerful teams you could do. So everybody has an opportunity to jump into a role. Every single one of us. And I promise you, your encouragement means more than you know to the people on the front lines. I promise you. I promise you. Hey, do we have any NASCAR fans here? Anybody like NASCAR? Let the record show no. Okay. All right. <laughs> some football. All right. Well, let's pretend you did go with me on this story. <laughs> Let me just write that in my notes. Never talk about NASCAR again. <laughs> my dad grew up loving NASCAR and I didn't, I, I'm with y'all. Like I, I care less about NASCAR. Never really a fan. I would watch it occasionally with him. I was really never a fan of NASCAR. And then several years back, he Got me, my brothers, and my son for Christmas. My parents got us tickets to Charlotte Speedway, which is one of the best kind of races you can go to. And this is a picture of my, my family. Of course, I'm representing the Dolphins. Come on now. <laughs> Let the record state, everybody is standing and cheering. <laughs> this is my brothers, my dad. And listen, when you go, if you've never been to a, a NASCAR race, it's not just a, 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 like you don't just show up to the race. They have stuff all around leading up to the race, days leading up to it. So I even got to practice my, my pit car experience. So here I'm, I'm changing tires and there's all these different kinds of experience. And my dad wanted us to actually feel the race. So he got us at the start finish line front row seats, as you see right here, right there. I mean, we felt the vibe. And as you can see, I'm excited and y'all aren't really excited. So I need to bring you into it. So here is eight seconds of what I got to experience.
Come on now. Listen, I could care less about NASCAR before that race. And once I sat front row, you literally feel the vibrations and the the wind of the car. And I'm like, I'm in now. I'm in. I, I didn't understand that NASCAR crowd. But once I sat front lines, I was like, I am in. And I think some of us do that with the church because there's a stat out there that says that 20% of the church actually does 80% of the work. 20% does 80% of the work. And so what's happening is we've got 80% of the people like, man, what's, what's going on with them? Why, why are they so crazy about the church and serving? What is going on? And I would say, because at one time or another, they were the same as you and somebody invited them to sit front row. And they experienced the vibration and the movement and the sound and the speed of the Holy Spirit. And they experience a front row experience of what it means to impact a life for all of eternity. And they said, you know what? I wasn't a fan then, but now that I get to be a a part of something that makes eternal impact, I can't go back. People say, man, whatever it takes, I want to help be a part of something that lasts for eternity. And they find their shape. Today, we want to help you find your shape. Today's kind of an emotional day for me. I was actually a little bit of a mess to start this off, um, trying to pull it together. You see, today, right after this service, the second service, um, I'm going to take my son, my wife and I, and we're going to go drive really far and drop him off and come back. So we're taking him and dropping him off at at where he's going to get his college experience and also work I've shared with y'all, work at a camp. So there's just all kinds of emotions of being a proud dad, but... One of the things I want to share with you is when he was six, he preached his very first sermon. This is him. Now he feels called into ministry. When he was six, he preached. And then last Sunday, he's been serving in our middle school ministry, and he was asked to preach in our middle school ministry. And I'm so proud of him. But I'm not a dummy. You see, between the age of six and 18, it wasn't only my wife and I trying to point him to Jesus. We were a part of several different churches. And every church had an army of volunteers that loved on my kids. And they made church fun. And when you are a pastor's kid, that is not always the case. They made it a good experience, a warm experience. They, they called my son out on areas that he needed to be called out. He had mentors, people discipling him. He would not be the man of God that he is today if it weren't for volunteers in the church and residents and staff and interns. But because somebody said, my God-given shape is to pour into the next generation, it's impacted me. Like Katie Brown's email. And some of y'all are like, yeah, but that's just your son. You're supposed to say that. No, no, this is Alexis Graham. You see, Alexis graduated high school last year. She grew up in this church and you gave her a positive experience. She grew up in our student ministry, came came here on Sundays. This is where she felt called to become a missionary. And so what we have done is we help financially partner because she's in Geneva, Switzerland right now doing a year-long missions and student ministry. 
She said in their group of 70 kids, there's 30 different nationalities represented because of they're in Geneva. All these people come and go from all around the world. The impact is huge. How did she figure that out? Because when she came to Journey, there was a volunteer that met her and gave her a warm experience. And she wanted to come back a second week and a second week. And then she had a small group leader and she goes through Rooted. She finds her God-given shape and the cycle just repeats. I want to introduce you to one more person. This is Jacob Bradley. Jacob, Pastor John would love this. He's from Kentucky. So come on now. Jacob made news recently, a couple months ago. I, I don't know if you know this, but in the sports world in high school, there's something called National Signing Day, where an athlete, when they, they want to kind of come out and let the world know where they're going to be uh, attending college and playing that sport, they have a big announcement and it, and it makes news and all this different stuff. Well, this, this gentleman's not going to play sports in college, but he said, hey, listen, if they make a big deal about playing sports, I think I should make a big deal about what I'm doing. And so he had a national signing day to announce that his next kind of season of life, he was going to be an apprentice to learn the plumbing skill and the trade. And that he had a a job lined up two years after being an apprentice. So he had this whole, look at, he commits to a career. And so I'm reading this and I'm thinking, man, this is great. If they could have national signing day for sports and they could have national signing day for plumbing, shouldn't we have national signing day for something of eternal impact? And so today we're having national signing day at both campuses in the atrium and in the lobby. There's representatives from, and tables from all the areas of ministry. And as you leave, I just want to encourage you, just have a conversation. We're not looking for a 30-year commitment. Just have a conversation. Maybe God's already put it on your heart where he's calling you to serve. Maybe somebody's made an impact, and because that impact has been heavy on you, that's where you want to serve. Maybe today's your national signing day. And again, this is not a long-term commitment. It's just a commitment to have a conversation to explore this more. Our team would love to be able to talk to you, but this is what I've been praying. I've been praying, and I feel like this is a small number. I've been praying for 100 new people to to step up and serve. That's what we're praying. Not because it's something that we need, but so that you can get in on what God's doing. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, I thank you so much. I think about all the people that volunteered for me growing up. I think about all the churches I've been to and they would not exist without volunteers. I think about all the volunteers that lead worship that that greet me uh, when I come in that help me to navigate where to go and when to go and how to go. God, I'm aware that there's no way my son would be where he's at or my daughter's if it weren't for volunteers at Journey. And so I thank you for them. God, you don't need us. You don't need us. But in your kindness, you invite us to be a part of what you're doing. And so we say thank you. God, maybe maybe today the largest team that gets started is the encouragement team. (laughs) Boy, how would that impact this church and community? We just had people just encouraging, loving, and thanking left and right. I don't know where it is. Would you help us find our shape? 
Thank you, thank you for letting us in on what you love to do, and that's change lives. And so God, we love you and we thank you. It's in Jesus' name, amen. If you like this podcast, we post a new message every week. So make sure to click that follow button and share it with your friends. Remember, Journey is a place where everybody's welcome, nobody's perfect, and through Jesus, anything is possible.